part-time mayor. He sucks. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. Fuck Kathleen Wynn. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their, their voice. It's, it's, he's already, he's already failed to uphold it. And welcome back, guys. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Any happies or merries I missed? I am your host. This is, sorry, this is the Municipals, and I am your host, Matthew. And I'm your birthday boy, Philip. Happy belated Not birthday, today. my friend. Happy belated birthday. And <laughs> we are pleased and welcome. Thank you so much for our guest, Kiri Vadivelu. I'm, I hope I pronounce, I should get it right by now. He was the Ward 21 uh, candidate this past um, election season, we'll say. <laughs> welcome to the show. No, thank you, Matt and uh, Flip. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of grounds covered and uh, I'm more than happy to share my, you know, my experiences and anything that, uh, that people would want to know. I think Phil and I, uh, right off the bat, we want to ask about specifically your, your documenting, your canvassing of specifically the TCHC buildings, how hard it was to get into them, uh, whether or not the, the tenants were... I don't know if afraid is the right word to, to talk to you or they just didn't want to talk. Um, and, and how many, how much pushback you got for maybe uh, support from uh, Councillor Michael Thompson. Um, anything you want to share about your, your adventures into the TCHC? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, uh, it, it was a definitely a, a valuable uh, experience. Uh, me, oh, I'm actually one of the first, uh, it was my first actually political experience. And I, I did, I do have that, all the experience, I jotted down as only online uh, diary, and I have it, everything uh, printed on the website. Uh, my website is uh, giddy-vadivelu.ca. Um, yeah, so speaking in terms of overall experience, uh, I had to say that uh, I had a diversity of experience when entering these uh, residential uh, buildings. Uh, I had to say that uh, with a lot of regrets, I had a very difficult time entering city-managed buildings, and I, I had very easy entry to to some of the most secure places in in condominiums where security guards would just open the door and would let me in, and they wouldn't even oh you know what they wouldn't even uh, ask to verify my ID. I would just show them my ID because it's part of your job. Uh, come on, take a look at it. I don't want you to get in trouble. So. These are the conversations I had in the secure buildings, whereas in when I go to TCHC building, I was, a, a, you know, always looked down, interrogated, and, um, um, you know, the, the TCHC staff were like, uh, like they, they don't want me, and I had to actually, uh, you know, demand myself in. Um, and uh, uh, one of the buildings where that, uh, uh, it was at uh, Elsmere and, uh, um, Elsmere and Brimley, where that, uh, um, it's, it's Brendale, Brendale residents, where that uh, uh, a lot of the uh, there's uh, there's uh, there's a lot of residents. It's a it's a shelter where residents are in uh, who are who are vulnerable residents. Uh, I did not have. I, I tried twice. I could not go in. Why? Because the staff held the door blocked and they didn't want me to go in. And they called police on me. They called nine one one on me. And I jotted. The funny that. thing is, 
<laughs> Kiri, the funny thing is I remember this was like my introduction to you on, on Twitter during the campaign was when you were having this trouble getting into the TCHC housing. And I remember very naively, very naively thinking, oh, Kiri just doesn't have the right papers. And I remember, you know, I, I told you about where to find the um, where to find the form that's like, you must let this guy into Canvas. And I was like, that, that'll do it. Kiri's good now. He's got this. Go, go, Kiri. And then it was just like, I was wrong. My my naivete really showed there. Um, it it no, actually say that uh, you know uh, I I wasn't uh, I wasn't really prepared that much uh, when I first the first time I went to the second time you know what I, I was happy that you pointed out where to get all the documents I was prepared I had everything ready I was there I was producing my papers and they're like they don't want even want to read it they don't want to hear from me they just Kiri, wanted me to be out. Kiri, can I speculate for a minute? Is is that okay? Um, sure. It's TCHC. It's run by the city. Is it possible that maybe you were being blocked on purpose by the sitting councillor, Michael Thompson? I know that's a hard question. He's not a popular topic, but I'm wondering if, if that ran through your mind at all. Um, I, you know, this is a very gray zone, so I had to be very careful as I walk in. Um, I don't think it's a deliberate, uh, deliberately uh, he would have done anything to block my, my entry or anything like that. But he has a, he has a culture of people who actually rub hands together with him. So obviously they would have probably been aware that the policies that I'm putting forward, you know, where free transit and uh, public housing. So they would have, you know, think that uh, they would, they don't want change and they want Michael, Michael Thompson. So I'm running against him. So they would have played the same cards. It's not like they actually colluded together to do this, but they played along and definitely they favored Michael Thompson. And uh, um, it's, uh, and not only that, the second time when I went, uh, they knew exactly who I am and they knew what's going on, but they still did it anyways. So I have a feeling he might've known it and he, you know, he doesn't want to do anything about it. Well, he's, an, he's a counselor, he's funny. So the doors that you did get to go to, how is the reaction? Was it uh, go away where we're voting for Michael Thompson or was it for somebody else or were they receptive to the things you were saying? Yes, the, the mo most of the people, they were very receptive of it. Um, I ran into people who are, most of the people that I ran into are in the, I would say in the, the center view and, um, and others on the left view and others on the right view. Um, so, um, like, when I, like I'm really casually throwing out these terms. It doesn't have a, you know, it just, I just wanted to have a fixed understanding of what the context is. So uh, those people on the left, you know, they, they would look at my card, you know, my, my actually, um, my, my flyer, and they will be wow, all the best. You know, I got handshakes, wishing all the best. And, you know, this is what you got to do. Um, and they were really impressed. Uh, on the on the right side, they would just you know take my fire, just rip it apart, and put it in front of me. They would just ask. They would the only two things they would ask. Okay, who are you? What do you what are you trying to do? And I would say you know these are my policies. So there's uh, two people actually. They would just took the flyer, just rip it, and put it in the garbage. And they didn't want to. They didn't want to read further. They didn't want to listen anything they only they were they, they only wanted 
I did, whenever like they heard that I'm running against Michael Thompson, the, that was the last line I say. Uh, I'm running against uh, Michael Thompson, and these are the policies that I'm running in. Uh, and yeah, they will just rip it apart, put it in the garbage. And that's uh, those are the view. And the, on the on the center view, well, we had really good uh, debates. Um, why the status quo is not working, uh, and what would you do about these evictions that happened? So these are the conversations we had. Um, so yeah, most people. Uh, received it well, uh, whereas uh, the um, real Michael Thompson fans, he has a fan base himself, by the way, uh, so they uh, did not like it and they would, they pretty much, you know, they just wanted to insult me and, uh, um, you know, they want to support, obviously. So um, I think it's uh, because he was running on the fifth term, he had. He had, he knows people very well, those who support him in the same view. So he, I guess, you know, he has, he has built a fan base and he doesn't, you know, want to give away that easy. He doesn't want a challenge. You know, I understand what you're saying, but um, I don't know if Phil has the question, but I, I do have one that's relevant to this exact thing. Um, I don't know if you're paying attention citywide, but, you know, incumbents can be defeated. Uh, look what happened in Ward 3. Longtime councillor Mark Grimes, nine, uh, 19, 19 or 16 years, one or the other. Um, and he was defeated by Amber Morley. Um, so it can happen. It's just about the message and about... Um, well, I mean, there might be a by-election coming up anyway. So, uh, uh, Phil, can you still hear us? Well, I can. I can hear you. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, this is unfortunate. I'm <laughs> I'm just worried about technical issues going in and out. But as long as the only issue is my webcam, I think I think we're solid. I think we're still good. So, before I ask uh, Kiri another question, did you have one for him? Oh, sorry. I was I was too I was too focused on my unfortunate setup. So please continue. I will. Well, I I don't know that if we covered this in our one on one, Kiri, but uh, for for new listeners, because this is a different podcast, you're I'm I'm interested in your overall experience on the election, and actually, uh, before you go there, what was the the root i guess the root cause uh for you wanting to run like like when did you think about it first when did you plan it uh what what uh i guess series of events did something happen to you personally and then you were like well i want to run i'd love to hear your story and i apologize if you've already told it and i've forgotten it i apologize but uh for the new listeners uh why don't you tell it again oh sure i would love it um uh, okay, <clears throat> a little bit because it requires kind of going back back a little bit and exp explaining uh, which path I walked in. So I was working at uh, Securitas Canada. It's one of the company, a security company, um, in in uh, North York. Uh, so I was uh, I was doing uh, I was working in in a security role full time uh, in a mobile uh, unit, and I, at the same time I was a lead. Uh, um, uh, lead uh, union personnel uh, in in the company. Um, so I had a uh, very difficult time because if the COVID was coming, it was it was you know obviously March 15 it was a lockdown. March 15, 2020, uh, the city went to full lockdown. So we were working full time. Our company did not provide a mask or gloves, and we were sent to all these sites uh, while the city was completely locked down, uh, and, and we were expected to do our job. 
in the meantime, we are like, <clears throat> I'm hearing, <clears throat> excuse me, from my coworkers, like there are people calling it sick. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things going on and nothing is, you know, it's very difficult to understand what's going on at the time. Uh, because, you know, obviously people are protesting, you know, I mean, people are oh, not protesting, but, uh, you know, they're on the one side, there's, you know, uh, the, the people are upset about lockdown, other side people are encouraging lockdown and nothing was solid and the government was you know obviously still trying to get uh, get something done for the you know dumb to preserve uh, you know safety and order so uh because me being a union uh, personal i had to take a stand so i you know i had to pull uh, uh safety as one of the priority at wearable places so i demanded uh, you know mask gloves and all these uh, equipments that we need to do our job fully and safely um, but the company wasn't prioritizing it and the company wasn't intending to do it. Um, so um, after me fighting with, uh, you know, going back and with uh, back and forth with the conversations with the management, they finally decided to uh, go and get some gloves and some masks and, uh, and uh, say, you know, and then, uh, and then have it uh, to the, with the supervisors. Only those who ask for masks and gloves will get it. Others, others will not get it. And they were not encouraging any oh, safety missions. Um, so, uh, me, me being very agitated, you know, uh, uh, I was, I was not, I was not making, uh, the, the supervisor's uh, job easy because I was demanding mask and gloves. So that, because of that, they were not happy with me. They fall out, fall out, fall out, fell out in my favor with me and, uh, they made everything they can to do, to make my job unsafe. And they were very hostile toward me. So it came to a point I was no longer able to go to work. And come home safe and at the, <clears throat> at the time i had no choice but to file a complaint i am um, with the uh, with the health uh, with the uh, occupational health and safety and uh, and uh, labor relations board uh, and and wait for a result because i, I want to know you know I don't, I don't want to go to work and die uh, and i want to be safe and uh, my family deserves uh, deserves you know somebody home right so um uh, it was it was going through by back and forth, but uh, my union was obviously uh, I was not able to do much because the government hasn't. Uh, uh, I guess government union and the and the uh, and the employers only the good only the good employers who wanted to do good, you know obviously who, who wanted to take the precautions and the measures they complied with their with their uh, with their request of of uh, of you know the. The government to 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 make workplace safer others didn't obviously a lot of the a lot of the um everyday jobs i mean i mean i say you know a lot of the general uh, class laborers they didn't they were still going to work on safe so uh me uh because of that eventually uh, i filed i filed all these cases and then i was waiting and then in the in the process i lost my job because they said well uh uh, we cannot i mean we cannot promise you uh, you know safe workplace and we are not going to you know from make uh, mask and gloves uh, uh, you know as you asked and uh, we are not going to change any policies or practices to make anything safer you come to work or you you know or or you're going to, you, you know you we are going to fire you or we are going to terminate well you know i i was i was i was in the position you know what they cannot do that because we have laws to protect employees in ontario but they did it anyways and I filed the case, I lost my case. Um, so uh, me losing, you know, lost my job uh, by April 2020, I lost my job and I went home. Um, 
and by, by yeah by that time i'm home and uh, i'm going through all these difficult times trying to pull things together um and uh, my landlord uh, my, my at that time i was trying to negotiate with my landlord you know what uh, the, you know I, I lost my job and i had to i had to come up with uh, my income some kind of plan um, even though at that time there was a you know sub payment was uh, you know uh, was was already in talk so uh, I, I was I was under the impression I will get money, but I, at the time, you know, everything was evolving, so I, I couldn't come up with any any concrete answers to anything. So uh, landlord refused to negotiate with me, refused to come up with any payment, and uh, on the first, the third week from the third week, I, I told him that I lost my job and I need longer time to pay my rent. Uh, on the third week, I received info eviction notice from landlord, and you know. When you won, you lost your job, and then you come home, and then you're losing home. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't take it, and I had to fight. And I, you know that, you know, it pulled all the. I had to put all the energy to defend my home, uh, and and I seen all the injustice at workplace and injustice at home, and our working people have no way, no break, and it, it's not right. It's, uh, unfortunately, the status quo was already exploiting people, and then the pandemic made it unbearable and we were all in unbearable situation so that really you know inspired me to fight and i got a, the first time i got in touch with acon canada because of my landlord tenant issues and they were that was they were one of the one of the organization uh, they were advocating for tenant rights uh, in my city um, so uh, they were very empathetic toward me they were understanding and they were really willing to help and uh, that's how that's where i made good friends and they, they all, those are, you know, and then uh, there are many that came along the way uh, to help me fight uh, and to, and to uh, save my home. So, yeah, that's how I got involved in, in uh, tenant, uh, um, uh, you know, fighting for tenant justice. Uh, and eventually uh, I was, I got involved in uh, uh, many issues in the city that I was uh, through, the, through, the, through the lockdown time. I had a lot of time in my hand, obviously. So I was able to go through these uh, these meetings and getting involved in a lot of the issues that's happening in the city. And I come to a point, why is this like this? You know, it's not okay because somebody that I don't I don't have any political experience and I, I don't have any political background. And I, we were all all in the navy. We think everything is okay. You know, people will do the right things, but it's not. It's, it's you know things are not okay for working people in the city. Obviously, the rent is sky high rocketing. And landlords are not negotiating as they were expected to negotiate during the pandemic. And employers are not doing what they're supposed to do to protect employees. So how can you be okay with it? It's not okay. So that's how I became so, uh, so you know, resistant about this, this status quo that actually exploits people. And I had to fight against it. And that's what eventually led me to get involved with so many other organizations. and. Uh, fight and uh, I had to say that yeah the pandemic really opened my eyes and without this pandemic I, I wouldn't be here today. Um, so again there's a lot of negative things and you know a lot of people like I mean a lot of people lost uh, but one thing that I, I had to say that I gained a wisdom I gained experience to fight for change that I want to see in the community and today more than ever that I, I really want to see the society a better I, I want to see our, our community a better place uh, and, and a place for everybody, inclusive city, not, not just in the paper, but in practice. And that's, that's what brings me here. 
You know, Carrie, um, I felt a lot of camaraderie with you with a lot of other candidates who are running who didn't have a political background, but like we all we all got the sense that there was something wrong with the city and we all wanted to do something about it. And I don't know, that's just it was really cool that so many of us were there to try it. I absolutely feel it. Uh, like you think that we never met before. We don't know each other. But, you know, the minute when we learned about each other, we are candidates and we are running in the closest watch, uh, you know, we got in touch and we, we want to, you know, because we are striving for the same things. And obviously I come, I was, I, at the time, at the time, I was actually running, uh, running with MSA, Municipal Socialist Alliance, that we would put together uh, uh, a lot of the activists, like, you know, as tenant justice activist, environmental justice activist, so many different activists from different backgrounds came together and that's how we formed the municipal socialist alliance actually when i say we i, I am referring to socialist action it's a socialist uh, um um it's a it's a ndp extended ndp socialist socialist caucus within the ndp so uh they they were the ones actually put together the uh, municipal socialist alliance and I, where i was a member to run for what in in what 21. so i had some that they were the ones who actually helped me wrap this policy and come up with what we need, what the change we need to see in the city and how to make this a better place uh, and how to make it a sustainable place. So a lot of the ideas we came up with, uh, uh, that's how we put all, all the ideas in together. And then we debated and we agreed on it. And then that, that became a MSA Socialist, Socialist Alliance uh, platform that I ran on in WAT21. Uh, and at that time, it was because the timing was short, right? Everything was happening so quick. Um, I was like, you know, I wanted to bring Philip in, uh, but at the timing was evolving, you know, there's the campaign, there's a lot of work, uh, you know, you have, like at the, 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 during the campaign, I was wearing so many different hats. So, uh, you know, that, that's how I was not able to pull in because I initially, right away, I thought, you know what, Philip, he does seem to have the same, same vibe and vibe, you know, same uh, needs as me. So maybe I should bring him in, but I couldn't, I couldn't bring him on with the MSA, but, uh, we see that we are on the same uh, same journey, you know. Uh, that's that, like you would be surprised that it, uh, like all the working people, we all have the same needs and wants. But what separates us is this polarized politics: the left, right. No, actually, left and right are the same things, but we are just told differently. And the who are actually resistant to change is the center. Those folks in the center. Uh, they are okay with the status quo or they don't want to change and they are the one resisting change but the left and the right are the one pushing for change so uh, whether you are uh, like whether one somebody identify the left or right uh, as when they identify as the left or right that gives me a hope in my heart that yes you know these are the folks we can work together I gotta, right? jump, in. I gotta jump in here for a second so <clears throat> Uh, I think it was a week or two ago. Uh, no, before we went on break for two weeks. Uh, so it was like a week or two before that. Uh, Philip and I actually had a discussion about lefty versus righty. <laughs> and uh, to define, I, again, I'll, I'll go back to that. Like to define what I, I think it means is uh, uh, leftist, and correct me if I'm wrong, is more of a tax and spend. And, and righty is more of, um, I guess, slash and save is is the is the uh, opposite because they're opposites. Um, I think people, when you use the word right wing, people get uh, caught up that, uh, you know, we're all religious folk uh, um, 
you know, following Donald Trump. And that's just not the case. Not every right wing person is a, a Donald Trump lover. Indeed. It's, um, that's, that's, I think, uh, like I, like I experienced it and those, those folks who actually was, uh, not happy with, uh, with me and the, and the left driven policies, uh, were that, uh, they were not really, you know, they were not really against the left policies, but they were, they were, they were not okay with me challenging with Michael Thompson. They didn't want, because Michael Thompson, he's completely on the right driven and he doesn't really, he doesn't have any platform. It's, it's weird that he's on the right when he's uh, he's Tory's boy. But uh, yeah. to, f- to further your point, I'm sorry to cut in. And yeah. Phil, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, too. Is it that society is coming to a point where the left and right are shrinking and the center is getting bigger? Or or how would you uh, define it? Uh, I would say uh, it, 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 is, it, it is it is a complicated matter. Uh, but I would say that uh, uh, the people who are, because again, I had to say, uh, things have been worse in the past. You, now it's somewhat better. Obviously, you know, you don't you, like if you don't have the circumstances where that, uh, like you know, uh, the, a lot of the issues are addressed. For example, you know, uh, like you know, there's a no obvious. Uh, the, the, actually, let me let me pull back a bit. Um, we have. The civil rights movement have evolved a lot. They have a lot of the issues, you know, have been the basic issues have been uh, addressed. But what is remaining is is the ambiguity and the the the, the micro issues. There there still need the the major issues were focused, but the micro issues still remain. That's where the that's why the racism still exists, but in a different context, in a different way. So I would say. Uh, the left, the left and the right, they, they appear to be divided, but they're not. Actually, left and the right are the same. You know, we have left and right hand. That's what makes the word, you know, fly. So um, the center, the reason why the people in the center, they're okay, is either, you know, they, you know, they're okay with, uh, with the circumstance or, uh, or, you know, there's other circumstances where that I would say more most is because the capitalism have grown to the point that you don't have time to go to a public event. You have to go to a part-time job after a full-time job in order to make ends meet. If you have a full-time job anywhere in the city, you cannot afford to live. You cannot afford to have a family. You need to have two people working because that's how the rent are. The rent is, and uh, and, the, and the expenses have skyrocketed. So uh, people, are, the working people, are ex- exploited to the point that they don't have time to get involved in, they don't have time or, or energy to get in, get involved in, in politics. So they become status quo. They're okay, with, you know, they, it appears they're okay with their status quo, but they're not. So uh, that's the, 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 the real ac- actual measure to say whether the society is doing good or uh, good or not good, we can say the inequality. If the inequality is shrinking, the society is doing good. If the inequality is rising and the division is Growing, for example, right now the left and the right wing division is obviously in, in the in the open main car, you know, uh, in a, in an open space. The, it appears the left and right are divided. The, the the polarization is growing. So yes, yes and no, because I would say it's because of many other factors that uh, we are divided. We appear to be divided, even though we are not. Actually, we we want the same things. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation and mixed information. Uh, for instance, those folks, uh, like, you know, the, the, let's say the, 
the hypothetically the people on the right they want uh, they want lower taxes the, there's there's a more intelligent way to lower the taxes in realistically um through uh, um, you know funding housing funding runs it uh, but instead the the you know the status quo politicians they say oh you know what if we provide uh, free transit or if we lower the cost, then, you know, we had to take money from the taxes from the city to, you know, uh, to give it to, you know, then we have to increase the taxes and we have, you know, everything has to go up. That's not the case. Why? Because for an example, if we really care about the environment, we have to make public transit free. In that way, people will stop using their own vehicles instead. What we are doing is we are letting insurance companies charge whatever rate they want in Ontario uh, they can already exploit the people and we made uh, public transit so expensive so working people uh, you know have to pay the higher fees to travel uh, I mean some can say it's not expensive but I would say it is pretty expensive uh, and um, it, and you know the services are not not the highest quality in, in most of the most so in main uh, most part of the city uh, the services are you know not not that great I mean, if you look at the public transit in France, there's a different system. They built it so many, you know, like almost uh, like 70 years ago, uh, like their public transit is like very reliable and it's all train transit. And we, we don't have that kind of system. I mean, we have a quickly grown population here in Toronto, but we, we, our transit is terrible for a developed country. So that's why we, we are, the MSA, we came up with saying, you know, make public transit free instead of telling people to, you know, get off their cars, make, make them you know absolute for them to use a car you know for them well you know what i have good i have good bus transportation and it's free why would i want to drive my car they will leave it right this is common sense and that is going to protect our environment because we're going to have lower emissions lower number of accidents and insurance rate is going to go low because again they calculated based on number of accidents and people are going to be getting home from work in in a shorter time in in, in a half an hour time manner but Instead, they're saying, oh, you know what, if the public transit is free, then we have to jack up the taxes and we have to do all these things. Well, we are actually paying more when there's more accidents and there's more, uh, more, you know, more uh, road closures, uh, more congestion, uh, and, it, and people are not happy. So the, the, the most intelligent way to run a, run a very advanced city like Toronto to make transit free, and guess what, that will make our city attractable. Any tourists come to the city, they would say, oh, you know what? The transit is free. And we have many, many ways to, uh, you know, uh, like uh, advertise our city, you know. So, again, okay, those are the points that we can uh, advocate on. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going pretty long on the, on the topic, but let me feel free to stop. <laughs> Phil, because you are, I, Phil, I have jumping. a lot of things in my head. Um, you know, uh, Kerry, you covered a lot of good stuff. Uh, so obviously I can't respond to all of it. It would be, you know, very deep. But a part of what you were talking about, which is um, like, I want to say happiness or rather the lack thereof, especially in working class people. Um, there's a, I retweeted this um, psychologist. Actually, Kiri, I double checked and you did like this tweet that I did. So I know you've seen it. Um, Dr. Nicole LaPera. And the tweet says, and I really resonated with this, uh, the disease model of depression stopped making sense to me as a, a psychologist when I worked with so many clients who lived in poverty, who could barely make ends meet, and who had no time for creativity or purpose. Depression is a response. And I, I, I understand that. 
I understand, you know, you're you're running, you're doing the circle, the hamster wheel, you get paid and it goes to bills and you're never advancing. And that's it feels like we really made this like obviously a lot of people reach that point. But I, I, I think Matt, we might have mentioned this uh on our last podcast where uh I or maybe it was even with Chloe Brown, it might have been a while ago, where I had said my thought was we've sort of reached this point where landlords Landlords want to extract as much rent as possible from you, and Absolutely, employers yeah. want to want to pay you as little as they possibly can. And we're now reaching what feels like a breaking point. Exactly, exactly, and uh, that's that's why that we use very big word. I mean, very like powerful words like uh, oppression and exploitation uh, to describe the uh, the, uh, the circumstances that we are in. Uh, I'm not sure if you have a question, but uh, like, uh, did you have a question follow up on that or? Oh, Philip? Oh, no, no, oh, I just, okay. uh, oh. no, I just, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just following your train of thought because like, I really, I, I resonate with that. And that was, again, not, I'm not going to get deep into, but I've said it before. This is the sort of stuff that inspired me to run because it feels like there's nobody on council who represents people who feel that way, who are, who are working and not getting anywhere. And, you know, the policies reflect people who own homes, who have backyards, who have uh, multiple cars, who have all these privileges. Like those are the people who run the city. Indeed. And uh, that's why, that's why, you know, I, there's some of the people that actually online, sometimes I purposefully argue uh, they're happy like you know what i have a home i have a uh, like i have a car i have good family i'm blessed and thank you thank you god i'm like so what do you use your position of privilege for you know if you don't if you have everything you're happy you're thankful yes that's good but what do you do with that is what matters right look like i'm i'm working class i I'm a, i live at the bottom but i still had time and energy to fight for change in my city why because i care right absolutely and and there's a lot of things you could do because I don't have the same luxury as somebody who own a home, have a family, who lived here. No, I, I came to Canada in 2001 and English wasn't my first language. Remember, I have a lot of barriers, you know, and I go to places, you know, where that I, I stumble and I get nervous and I cannot speak probably at times when I get nervous, but I still overcome those challenges. So to say somebody that, you know, I'm privileged, uh, like I have home, I have everything. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm great, but I don't want to do anything for my community. I think that that is a very, very, uh, I guess, you know, very uh, disappointing way to be happy in life. I think that we all have a responsibility. Uh, if you don't do contribute to our community, if you don't build our society as a better place, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, we are leaving anything for our generation. Uh, you know, my daughter is going to be two in the next, in the next May. Uh, what kind of society is he going to live in, you know, if I don't fight for these kind of things today? So, uh, you know, uh, obviously I, I came here. I wasn't born here, but I came here. Uh, but from the day one, you know, I, I, like I, I really, really love this country and I love my city. And I, I hate to see it go this way. You know, it becomes so, ex you know, oppressed and exploit, exploiting. And right now it's, you know, oppressed and exploitable, exploiting condition that most people are living in. Uh, if workers are not happy, if average people are not happy, that reflects the society societal condition. 
and I think I don't think it's going to be um, good for any one of us because remember, uh, working people drive the entire country, and if working people are suffering, if they're losing money, if they don't have money to spend in the local community, uh, then then our, our economy is doing bad. This is how it is, right? Like if working people have enough money in their hands, what are they going to do? They're going to spend it in their community. But unfortunately, when the rich people have money, what are they going to do? They're going to invest it over overseas. They're going to take the money out of the country. Hard. So, you know, so that's how many ways that when we like keep our working people happy in our city and if we keep, you know, if we provide the service that the, the working people needs to, to go from A to B, then guess what? We are going to build a better city. We are, we are going to have, we are not going to have a gridlock and we are not going to, you know, right now what Ford is doing. He's actually, you know, going after the, you know, reserved land to put a road. Instead, you know, there's way, many ways we can do it. Why? Why he's doing what he's doing is because he has rich friends that he wants to make friends with. And he wants to, obviously, you know, he, he has other intentions that I don't want to elaborate on, but it's, you know, the, these, these, these people who have been in the politics for over, over you know, 15, 20 years, uh, it's all about for them to, you know, uh, look at their bank account and see how much is going up and what they want to do. It's not about our community. We working people, we live in the community, we work in the community, we want this community to be a better place for everybody, for all of us. So that's why that working people like Philip, me, uh, you know, all these young people who actually first time ran in the, in the election, we should be getting, uh, we should be getting involved in politics. If young people are not getting involved in, guess what? It's going to be the same old thing, status quo. The guy with the money is going to run the show. I agree. Um, and on that note, I'd like to, so we usually, we interview our guests and then we have a series of things that we talk about. But before we do that, instead of waiting until the end, um, I guess Philip and I would like to know, um, uh, if you have decided on any future plans, if you plan to run again, either uh, municipally, federally, provincially, uh, what is what does twenty twenty six look like for you, Kerry? Uh, this is this is again very undis uh, uh, I'm undecided. Um, the reason I'm undecided is again uh, I became because of these experiences. I became an activist. You cannot have you cannot be an activist and politician at the same time. Why is because when you're a politician, you really have to, you know, as a like when you take a politician role, you really have to tone down and you had to write to, you know, impress everybody. And especially the center people, the folks in the center, you had to write to get their awards. So you have to, you know, really change the way that you conduct the business. And I don't think I fit. A, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect candidate. I don't think I'm somebody that, uh, uh, you know, like a nice guy to everybody. So, because I do have very strong views, views that affects working people. So, uh, I think I feel more in the role of as an activist, and I think I, I would be more, uh, more, uh, I would be more useful uh, in the activist uh, zone uh, to to make to pro make the change that I wanted to see. But that doesn't mean like uh, if situation and circumstances come in that I may not uh, like uh, like. Like if situation and circumstances do come in and if I have the opportunity, uh, I would definitely run. But I have a feeling that, you know, this is, this is something that I, I, I you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to see the co community a better place. And it does, I don't have to be the one to do it. If there's somebody who better come in, if there's somebody who, you know, who's going to be coming here, 
you know, even this this election of what twenty one, I told I told the you know MSA group, it's like if somebody who's going to be better candidate, who's going to advocate for our policies in the MSA, guess what? I would be the first one to walk out and put them in the line because it doesn't have to come from me, right? Good things, I like it. Good policies don't have to come from me. It doesn't have to have my name on it. Well, Anybody, no, di yeah. no disrespect to anyone who represents the MSA, but um, I, I personally think you should be running the MSA. That's my personal feeling, but it's just me. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, it's it's a compliment. Uh, um, you know, I think uh, we have uh, we have folks who are more experienced and more uh, capable. Uh, so I think uh, yeah, like. I, that's that's why they you know the like uh, we are okay with uh, with the, the group we are in right now plus uh, like MSA is we uh, like I mean when I say we like I'm also including myself that we're actively looking to you know uh, get the best candidates so um, you know the best candidates to advocate the policies so I'm more rooted in the policy of MSA than the, than the role as any as a politician again that that space was open that's why I ran. And I'm happy that I did because it gave me the ex extra experience. But uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know. I'm really undecided. Um, but I will continue to push. I will com continue to work with MSA. Uh, I will continue to push uh, work with uh, other organizations such as ACON, uh, Justice for Workers. Uh, it's something that uh, you know this pandemic uh, made me uh, somebody that I didn't think I will become Monday. You know, so it's a, it's a good change, I guess. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've never heard me publicly say this, uh, I don't think, so I'll let you know that uh, I'm I'm thinking about doing something in 2026. So we'll see. But Philip, let's uh, let's move along. Let's talk well, about. Before we do, I do okay, just yeah. have a quick thought. Oh, please. Is, I mean, it's not it's not like a question or anything, but it's <clears throat> it's just um, what you were mentioning how. When you become a politician, you can't really be an activist anymore. And that's uh, very interesting, not because I disagree with you, but because I always sort of had that thought in the back of my head. Not because I'm not I'm not an activist. I mean, we had this conversation um, uh, where I, I don't I'm not an, I don't think I'm an activist, but I always thought that it would be great to be a politician, to be in that role to be then receptive to activists. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, 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 I would agree. And at the same time also that, uh, first I would say that you are actually an activist, by the way, <laughs> the things that you share, because you- I'm care, okay with that. Right? It's, it's a good thing. Activists may mean that you wanted to make our, our community a better place and you care, you know, you, you, know, you tweet and you show uh, the things that you're not happy about. And you also have a solution for it, right? You're not somebody who is complaining. But you have a solution for the problems, so I think, uh, yeah, you are an activist, and you I do mean, care. I mean, I certainly do a lot of complaining. Uh, I uh, love no. to complain. Well, F Philip is better on Twitter than I am. I, <laughs> I, he's he's awesome. Uh, actually, uh, like <clears throat> when we share, when we like when we met in person, that like we shared that you have, you know, you you have a lot of ideas that uh, that you you know maybe you haven't written it out, but you have plans that you would do. I think. Maybe you can just take the MSA platform and just, you know, create it yours and make it. I mean, this is the beauty about MSA, right? Um, 
we we are all activists we are all active we are all actively debating and trying to make the, make the policy reflects the uh, needs of the working people but kiri kiri yeah. can i sorry can i just jump yeah. in for a second uh, listen i it's not a secret i think i've told you this i i don't really agree with a lot of what the msa um uh supports but but bigger than that it's it's the way in which some of your members uh um i guess voice it or word it or the the way in which it, it's it's when it comes from you it's like i'm i'm being seduced by a car salesman you know what i'm saying like um the other ones i i feel like i'm being conned but with you it's different um i it makes a big difference to me because you know when you're when you're trying to convince someone whether you're you're convincing them to vote for you to uh, give you a loan or to whatever whatever it is you know you have to it's it's all in the delivery and i i feel like some of your msa uh, um members they don't have the smoothness that you do i promise you i'm not hitting on you and this is going <laughs> to stay this is going to stay in the episode beautiful robin <laughs> But uh, sorry, I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, respond to that, and then we'll, we'll move on. Yes, um, oh, really, I really have to address that. Um, uh, this is uh, the issue, uh, Matt and Phil, that um, when we elect a politician, we elect personality, not the policy. This is something that I was I was reading about a lot of the stuff that why the way things are is because uh, you know it's it's. We are not like we instead of looking at the policy, we are actually driven to look at the uh, personality and we are driven toward uh, confirmational biases. We have confirmational biases. If I like somebody who thinks along the like as me, I would more likely to vote for them, whether they are conservative or liberal or NDP. So that that is an issue. We have to deviate and we have to I mean, we have a, right now, I would say we have pretty, pretty intelligent society that we are living in. And I think we can break apart from that. Uh, you know, we have to learn to work with people we have dis disagree with, um, and we have to work uh, with people. You know, work with issues that we may not agree right away, but we may agree later. So, the, what I'm, uh, the point is, um, it, like you said, also, uh, uh, Matt, it's, it's, it's in the delivery how we deliver the message, right? Um, uh, it, there's unfortunately it's, it's the first initiation msa and obviously i know there's there's hundreds of things that we can improve on and uh, the, you know obviously uh, like uh, i wouldn't say you know we had everything were done right but i would say you know we were the first one to have a debated policy and we were the first uh, group to have a complete complete view like we had a uh, this is these are the issues this is where we stand on if you were to right now ask uh, you know, obviously, any candidate, any active candidate, any uh, any uh, political candidate, uh, status quo candidate, where do you stand on this issue? They will, they will, you know, uh, I guess they will not give you an answer. For example, if you ask me, where, where do you stand on the Palestine-Israel issue? I say, Palestine. I stand with oppressed, and I think that I'm clear about it. You know, these are issues that affects people, and these are things that we want to be openly, you know, speaking about it. But because they wanted about you know votes and they wanted to you know they wanted to get into the politics again that's where that we don't see a, um, we don't see people who actually care about the community but instead you know people actually go in because they want to become you know for a variety of reasons um, so uh, there's a huge responsibility MSA lies 
And uh, as you said, Matt, that I definitely take uh, not only your feedback, and I would say there's many other folks who, who share the same view as you. I mean, same thoughts about uh, thoughts like you. It's like, yeah, there's things, you know, there are things that could improve in the MSA. I definitely agree. And we will, we will, you know, we will smooth it out and we'll make it better. And uh, uh, in, in, the, in the future, I'm pretty sure that MSA would be very attractive. Uh, but we got all the wheels now. We got all the all the vehicle in place. The vehicle is not painted. The vehicle don't have a seat. You know, it's tested. It's ready to go. Uh, you know, so yeah. So we have the vehicle, but the, the you know the rest of the aesthetics and the rest of the stuff will come in place. I'm pretty sure that the messages will be delivered in the right way. This is where that I was actually stressing with the MSA candidates and the MSA team as well. It's like we have to not not only uh, like divide people but we have to bring people together you know the, the like the, like i said earlier the left if you say left or right i'm happy right if you say you're in the center i'm not really happy because now it you're not really you're resisting a change but on the left and the right you may think that they are polar opposites but they're not because they want change they want things to get better but if you put left and the right together uh, the working people you will find them like, like they have the same 90% of the issues they will connect they will agree and they will solve it so yes we are divided but we need people who actually bring unity harmony and peace and that's how we make a, we make our communities a better place for everybody and again our diversity is going to only go grow you know? and diversity so it, diversity can be seen as a challenge or or you know or, i mean it's seen as a challenge or or be or a strength and i would say it's a strength so I think it requires more work uh, to make it right. Um, again, I don't do liberal politics. I'm really allergic to liberals. So <laughs> hey, we have that in common. We yes. have that in common. Woo! Three, three way go. I mean, I do spend an unfortunate amount of time. I feel like defending liberals on Twitter, but you have to understand, it's. I don't know why I do it. I don't like them. <laughs> I, th I, I, I think it's because you share a birthday with the man. That's true. Me and Justin Trudeau are birthday buddies. I wow. wish you'd acknowledge me for once, that son of a bitch. <laughs> so let's move on to our list. Uh, <clears throat> we kind of went long, but uh, I want to talk first about the active TO scandal, if I can call it a scandal. So you guys are aware of this. Um, it was back in the summertime. Active T TO was rolled out because of COVID. Uh, Mark Shapiro, who is the uh, president of the Blue Jays, gee, I wish he would leave. Um, he stood out. He said, you got to shut down this active TO. People can't get to the baseball games because maybe he knows that the TTC is garbage. So maybe, uh, you know, they want to drive to the stadium. I, I drive to the stadium when I go, but I, you know, so I understand that. But uh, if the TTC was a more viable option, I would absolutely take the TTC. However, I've got the text messages and I'm going to read them. Um, so once the vote on uh, the motion, which is titled IE 30.19, uh, once it was over, Councillor Grimes texted uh, Mr. Shapiro, we knocked out active TO today. Thanks for your help, Mark. MG. And Mr. Shapiro texted right back. Excellent. Appreciate your leadership on that, Mark. Quick pause. So I ahead. love that they refer to each other as Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I listen, shitty texts and and we, but I just, I love that they're just like, 
Good going, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Nailed it. Like, it's just so funny. So I have my own opinions, and I'll share them, but I, I'd love to hear you guys. Whose shoulders does this fall on? Is this John Tory? Is it Mark Grimes? Is it a combination? I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, considering we don't really have to deal with Mark Grimes anymore. He was defeated in the election, but John Tory is still around, and, and unfortunately, Mr. Shapiro is still employed by the Blue Jays, who, by the way, is owned by Rogers, and, and by the way, so is John Tory. Uh, <clears throat> I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts. Kiri, you're our guest. Why don't you go first, and then, Philip, you can uh, follow up. Um, you know, like uh, it's exactly my first time here. You know, hearing uh, in depth about this issue because I, I wasn't really uh, following much afterwards, um, so I had to be, put that in upfront. But uh, like I said, it's uh, this the status quo of you know uh, the people with the power and money uh, get to you know corrupt anything. Like that's why we say that uh, our we focus on the policy rather than and and you know rather than anything else um but it's just that it just goes to show that our democracy is very very uh you know vulnerable it can be you know attacked in any way um so that's it just goes to show how these people in the in the politics they have power and that's why i would say there is a like again in early there times I didn't I didn't really think through the the importance of the term limits right now in the city the municipal candidates they don't have term limits they could stay that's why that's why Michael Thompson was able to go run the fifth time and what happens is when they stay in the same uh, let me get an analogy let's say you have a pond right pond has water and in the, when the water stays in the same place for a long time what happens it becomes polluted right it becomes a mess um so that's what happened that's why you know term limits has to be there uh, i think you know maybe two term three term has to be there uh, i think in the past you know most candidates especially in the in the like we don't really have that problem in the in the provincial and the federal but in the municipality which actually affects us more than anything else we really have to do pay attention to municipality um that's a different issue um but yeah so we have to have term limits so they don't corrupt and they don't become corrupted people. So these are things that are easily avoidable if you have some, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, uh, rules in place, I would say. Well, okay. Um, you know, the fun thing is, is that the Mark Grimes element of the story sort of came out of left field. Because when this was going on back in June or July, I can't remember. It was early, early summertime. Um, this just came down. It seemed to just come down to John Tory and uh, Shapiro. And, um, you know, and I remember thinking, because I actually do have a different opinion on the TTC. I actually do think it's pretty solid. You know, and I, I use it constantly, not that it can't be improved and not that it's perfect, but I do think it is a functioning. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe that's maybe that's too low a bar to say that it's functioning. But, um, you know, one of my first like political outings while I was on campaigning was uh, it was a Bellazan, Jason Danforth, it was around Scarborough, kind of like looking at the lack of uh, bike lanes there. And one of the things I had a conversation with someone with was it was talking about the situation with um, with Active TO. And it seemed like such an indictment 
from our mayor on our public transit. You know, he's supposed to be saying our public transit is the best, regardless of the truth, regardless of how it does or doesn't do. He is supposed to be advertising for it. And when he says, oh, you're right, Blue Jays fans have no way to get to the stadium, he is shitting on the city's public transit system, which is, it's hilarious. Um, now, who's more at fault? I would say the revelation sort of shows that it is, like, Grimes really, really set up. But at the same time, John your microphone, Curry, is, Hey, your microphone is uh, cut, cutting in and out. Oh, yeah? Oh. Uh, you're good now. You're good now. Yeah, I think uh, you might. You might. Uh, I don't know if you're moving it uh, back and forth. You might want to reduce that. <laughs> percent, yeah. No, this is part of my uh, technical issues. But let me know if I'm still coming in and out. A little bit. Uh, all right. I'll try to finish my thought then. Um, shit. What was I saying? It was just. It was one of my first like conversations politically was about the situation, and it was just. I mean, it's John Tory letting Active TO be on the chopping block. It shouldn't have been on the chopping block. It was a popular program, running well. Um, there was no reason for it to go. So yeah, Mark Grimes, you know, thank you know his leadership for getting it done. So he's responsible in a big way. But John Tory also didn't step in to defend Active TO. So he is, I mean, and he's the mayor. So I think ultimately he's the most responsible. I would absolutely agree with you. Um, I think this is ridiculous. I think that this is an example of <clears throat> John Tory um, answering to his boss. Rogers. Rogers, exactly. <laughs> um, and and putting his, uh, I believe you said it the, the, the best way, uh, um, Phil, his part-time mayor uh, 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 ship comes second. Yeah. Because that every day at work, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it it's, I mean, the integrity commissioner did um, investigate and found this. It's funny, you know, they tried to remove Rob Ford be- before the whole crack smoking thing. <laughs> they tried to remove him on a, a technicality, something not like this, but something maybe in the same vein. And he was technically removed from office, but fought it and got put back in in the matter of like maybe two days um, or something like that. It, it's hard for me to recall. It, it was so long ago. I think we're going back to 2012 um, or maybe 2011. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, I mean, can't. Can't the integrity commissioner use this and, and council use this to oust John Tory? Would that be nice? Oh, well, if I can add uh, my, my thoughts as well onto it. Uh, I, I really feel that uh, a lot of the issues like that is comes down to politics and the public perception. In, in politics, public perception is huge. So right now, John Tory do have, uh, you know, more reach than any other candidates. I mean, in the last election, he did have a lot of reach. Again, he's a status quo, but he was able to connect with the people. Again, his policies nowhere connects with, uh, nowhere relates to the people of uh, the city, but he's able to, you know, he's a political elite and he, he, he knows how to make himself look good. And he had all this money in the campaign and the, he had all these corporations willing to do everything for him to make and him the, the best cookie. Don't 
Don't forget Doug Ford. That's right. And uh, if if you were to you know uh, like uh, put them in the same same boat, I mean same circumstance. I I, I like I mean like uh, like any other candidate. For example, uh, when when um, John Tory ran in the election, he didn't even have to respond to any of the criticism. You know, he just he ignored it. He he ignored it like it doesn't matter. And he easily got the public perception, and he still got a lot of the votes. I mean, Klo really pointed out a lot of the flaws in John Tory's policies and the way that John Tory was doing things in the past the past two terms. But it didn't re- it didn't receive the you know the reception or attention it, it, you know it would it could have received because again the, the media can make a good person bad a bad person good uh it's i mean i'm just saying as it is it just um uh the way the perception is again played by a lot by the status quo media and john tory has a media in his hand until he has the full full support from the media and the and the status quo uh, i think uh, uh, you know he's untouchable and uh, that's why you know even though he's with working with uh, rogers and he's making policies on you know he's making decisions on whether uh, Rogers can't have any competition in the city. So again, this is uh, this is as corruption as this is really um, corrupted as it can get. So yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but uh, I think our our uh, people will get into it. People will understand, um, and it it will take time. And if you were to look at it, for example, in 1950s and 1960s, um, when females uh, or when uh, blacks cannot sit in front of this uh, front of the, I mean, black black people are not allowed to sit in the front of the bus. If they do, I mean, obviously they have to go when the white people come in. They had to give the give up the seat and go to the back. That was normal. Once upon the time, that was normal. And if you were to think about it today, that's absurd. It's like, come on, right? So. That's why I mean right now it's 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 really we know how corrupted it is and we, we feel it but there's you know we cannot do anything because John Doring has the public perception and the media on his hand. So absolutely, uh, Phil, do you have anything you want to add before we move to our next uh, little topic? I do find it. Uh... Your your last point about uh, John Tory having the media in his hand it's very interesting. Um, because I've I've sort of discovered this about John Tory when you um, when you kind of see him in council chamber when he's not in front of a camera, and he actually really is quite dickish, you know. But he really does have an on camera personality that's completely different, and it's just it's it's not. This isn't a deeper thought. This isn't like uh, you know. But it's just it's very interesting that what you said. He does have a very public persona that people do think oh yeah that's the nice mayor and like in council chambers and even like his actions as a politician i mean that's a that's a separate conversation of like how we (laughs) perceive evil but you know (laughs) so let's talk about the city council meeting i know that uh you know it took place december 14th and 15th um and that was that was the week after we last were on the air um there are people that I, I guess would love to hear our opinion. So let's give it. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch the 15th yet, but I, I know the result. So we'll, we'll get there. But uh, the 14th, um, when they were discussing um, CC 2.1, the 2023 housing action plan. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the, uh, the, the Josh Matlow drama 
But uh, Matt Lau, Bradford, SmackDown, baby. His quote, Josh Matlow's quote, <laughs> housing now is a failure. I'd love to hear your both of your opinions on that quote alone. Whether you think it's a failure, whether you agree with him or not. Um, well, think... what is, sorry, yeah, uh, go ahead, what is housing now even produced at this point? So, I mean, and this could be an ignorant, this could be a question coming from ignorance. Has housing now produced anything? Uh, here's That's... A... Uh... The, the you know right now because we are criticizing housing now is because the other one we can criticize but there's already you know a lot of work already done they already submitted to the city a lot of the problems that city did never done anything so i guess how like a lot of a lot of the you know the pro left and the left organizations i find uh, them they are just protecting the status quo and I, I'm going to be honest with it's not only housing uh, now, but any any other organizations, they know the problem, but they are moderated in a way to maintain the status quo. And right now, uh, you know, it's easy to blame housing now, but it's not. They're, they were given a mandate by the city. Okay, this is the box that you had to play. You, you cannot go out this, the, you know, do these things. But if you do, you're not going to... Uh, we are not going to do it you know you know we might suspend the funding or we might do something else so it's again there's 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 a lot of things going on uh, in that uh, in that committees it's uh, that's why we call we call for complete complete overhaul of this political uh, atmosphere so because I, I looked them up online and uh i'll just read real quickly what it says here it says housing now is an initiative to activate city-owned sites for the development of affordable housing within mixed-income, mixed-use, transit-oriented communities. City Council launched Phase 1 of Housing Now in January 2019 with 11 sites. This phase is expected to deliver over 10,000 new homes, including approximately 3,700 affordable rental homes. Work is well underway to advance phase one of the Housing Now initiative. In May 2020, six new sites were added to the Housing Now initiative. The additional six sites are Housing Now phase two and estimated to add between 1,455 and 1,710 new residential homes to the program, including approximately 1,060 to 1,240 purpose-built rental homes, of which approximately 530 to 620 will be affordable rental homes. Now, Phil and I have gone back and forth uh, with, um, I believe with Chloe, and, and I think maybe we touched on it with Norm. The definition of affordable housing is not what right. you and I would 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 call it. Um their definition is very, very different. I, I'm, I'm having trouble. Uh, I don't have that note in front of me. Um, what I, what I wrote, but the definition I think was something like uh, uh, there was a dollar. It's supposed of, to be 30% of your income. No, no, no. This was. Oh, way. you mean the, the, the amount that's considered affordable. Yes. I don't have that in front of uh, me, but, uh, but, but it's, it's a wacky amount. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so Josh Matlow said housing now is a failure. He was verbally attacked 
I'll use that phrase, verbally attacked uh, by Councillor Bradford, Councillor Fletcher, and uh, Speaker Nunziata. Uh, did either of you? They see went this? hard. They went ham on the guy. It was like you know, this is what you want all council meetings to be like. You really expect them to be this exciting. It certainly beats sitting through the eight hours. You know, give me some entertainment. It's um, well, I think and it. Right now, oh, sorry, I was just uh, so go ahead. I just, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to finish my uh, my thought. I did get a a little bit of um, a little bit of context for Bradford basically uh, saying back to him, like, "Oh, you know, basically, when did you come around to housing? Like, when is this a thing for you?" Uh, so uh, I had mentioned to you previously, uh, my friend who's with more neighbors, he had given me more context that sort of before. <laughs> Uh, Josh Matlow was very sort of like anti-density where he was like fighting condo towers that were like larger than 10 floors or whatever. And he's, he's come around. He's, he's, he's come around on housing stuff, but apparently that was a weak point for him before. So it is very interesting that, I mean, of course, that's what we want all our politicians to do, right? To come around, but it is very easy to attack those as being not sincere if you know what i mean carry your thoughts yeah I, I think uh um but like i said earlier it's like it's just pretty much we're just looking for escape cards right now to just put blame on somebody and i think that right now josh madlow he's one of the you know i guess uh the left he's trying to push the you know or the left side of the movement but i, I don't think he's left enough to make any difference um and I, I think um Paula is, uh, you know, Paula Fletcher. I really like her. I mean, she's she's also left. I mean, she does share a lot of the views uh, in the housing initiatives. Uh, but again, uh, she's not left enough to make the difference. She's. She, I don't think because we are right now. The water is over our head. We cannot learn to swim right now. You know, they are trying to learn to swim right now. The water is above our head. We are going to. We are drowning. It's not. You know. So it's um, what we need to do in terms of the housing is to you know. Uh, to to obviously cease all the evictions right now instead of promoting evictions and and at the same time uh, you know whatever the development is coming on with like Acon put together a plan that we obviously it's to say at least minimum twenty five percent of all development to be uh, to be made uh, affordable housing when we came up with affordable definition it was you know it was nearly what thirty to thirty five thirty five percent of your income supposed to go to housing. That's a that's a mindset was there, but right now the even the affordable definition is so watered down and so de deviated, and now they're saying deeply affordable. What the heck is deeply affordable? Affordable means is it affordable or not? I mean we I mean I think Philip already tried to mention earlier. Yeah, according to CMSA CMHCC uh, housing uh, housing oh no it's called, like it's I don't, I don't know their full name for it. CCHG that defines uh, the affordability. Um, housing is, you know, we shouldn't be spending more than 35% of our income on housing, on our rent. But, oh, oh, nearly, if you look at it right now, oh, like, and on average, most of us spending nearly over 65% of our income on rent. And that's not okay. How much we have left for our food and how much we have left to spend in our city? None. That's why landlords are becoming greedy. And that's why, you know, anything in the housing stock is, is, you know, it's very attractive. It's a you know, you know, it's all about flipping the houses, and it's all about you know, 
making the quick bucks and that we need to remove the incentive to make profit out of housing these housing is a basic necessity i mean there shouldn't be any any profit motive when it comes to health uh, you know that's why we have a lot of pharmacies right now growing every day uh, again it's these 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 are basic necessities uh, shouldn't be shouldn't be profitable whenever we add profit then we look for problems and uh, that's where that I also deviate when it comes to school education should shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be put on the profit line but because now look at it how much corruption in the area in the high in the post uh, post uh, post uh, post secondary school levels so you know absolutely yeah uh, Phil do you have anything to add before I go on to my next quote uh no 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 I'm good <laughs> so I have a quote from from your boy your favorite counselor I'm being facetious. <laughs> It's uh, it's uh, Mr. Holiday. Oh, son of a bitch. He says, let's say, am I allowed to say that? It's my own podcast. I can say it. Of course. Um, <laughs> he said, quote, be careful what you wish for. <clears throat> he made a sub motion to take out the wording uh, uh, because in Bill 23, I believe it's Bill 23, it says 285 homes per year for the next 10 years to uh, and the city of toronto is going to meet or exceed this number he wanted to take out the words exceed because it's 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 hard (laughs) enough that they're going to meet 285 to exceed it he said they're going to be short on social programs for your kids longer lines in grocery stores more traffic on the roads all these are are, you know i know you know I, i i'm not I'm not terribly happy with him right now either, but he does make a good point. And unfortunately his sub motion was defeated. So the wording will remain meet or exceed this number. Uh, Your guys thoughts before I move on. My, I want to say my biggest issue with, um, I want to say the, the lack of, you know, the exceed part isn't the problem. I feel like the problem is the city's unwillingness to to think ahead, to plan ahead, to do to do any sort of investment for the potential. You know, um, I do feel like there can be a question of like, are we really doing so well by the people in this country that we? No, I don't know. I, I'm not against immigration. So I guess, uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but we're not doing a very good job of, fuck, what am I trying to say? I think, uh, I think if I could, if I, could uh, I think I understand uh, which way you're going uh, with that thought flip. It's uh, we are so focused on fixing uh, the grammar mistakes, then the content is so wrong, right? The content has to be right. Yeah, to ultimately. To the grammar. So what he is trying to do is trying to make himself look good by exceed i mean yeah i mean i agree with them but the thing is uh that you know there's no way we can even we can have any basic necessity met in the city in about five years from now uh it, it is it is going to be unreli- un- unbearable in both your opinions would this be considered fear-mongering short short on social programs longer lines in grocery stores more traffic on the streets is that fear-mongering well, yes, it, it is in a way that it is fear mongering. It is, it is in a way to get votes and it, in a way to say that they are actively fighting, but they're not. 
and they have again it's all about uh, putting their money into pockets and it's all about you know making their friends rich and it's all about keeping their status quo agenda but they have no solution for Toronto and that's why you know again I have to go back and say the platform that we have in MSA is a complete platform that uh, we put together to solve the problem and what we see in the pandemic you know we seen we have pandemic lockdown and then we have and then the same time Toronto police was going to the parks and beating the homeless people out and those people who defended the homeless people they were also arrested and persecuted and one of my one of our MSA candidate was also persecuted and the charges were dropped in the end but he was hurt by the police so again the city is it has no idea the, the political again political elites have an idea of what is normal and working people we have an idea of what is normal it doesn't meet this right now the political elites have no idea what is the actual normal they don't they don't have that they don't have the uh, you know they don't have the temperature check so the people are really upset and angry on all sides and they are trying to do whatever they can to polarize bring division bring whatever the policy they make it look them uh, make them look attractive to solve the problem but they are not really solving the problem they're just dragging it on they're just keeping the power among to you know in a concentrated group of people um, to run the city and they don't really have a plan for the city and you know if you look at uh, again the, the 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 platform we have a radical solution to as a solution to the problem whether it's housing whether it's transit uh, or whether it's uh, uh, whether it's environment or whether it's uh, you know gender gender division gender oppression any issues we have we have a completely put together a policy that uh, that we stand on I mean uh, let's say for an example let's say hypothetically I run on this platform right let's say I get elected but I cannot go back and change my platform because this is the pl platform that we all debated agreed and we stand on so we have a policy that anybody can hold accountable but the well, right now we have uh, candidates who run based on popularity and po you know based on the public perception based on uh, based on the you know right now right now we have i say it in this way the the councillors are financially elected they are not democratic democratically elected so anybody with the bigger wallet will get elected in the city and they could have very nasty policy but they will get away with it it's just sad it's sad but that's a reality well, on a happy note, what did you guys think about rooming houses be, uh, being passed? The bill, I believe it was passed, um, and now rooming houses are going to be legal. Um, I know there's a there's stuff to work out, and there's some maybe some red tape. Um, McKelvey, Jennifer McKelvey was uh, going on about installing six, but where there's already 12 or 25 to keep it. And eventually the six, if they're working in four years, they'll be bumped up. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts real quickly and then, and then we'll move on because there's a, there's a few other things I wanted to cover tonight. Uh, Flip, do you, do you want to step in or? You know, all I, all I <clears throat> want to say is finally, it's one of my criticisms of city council is that, you know, they, they block progress by just sending things back for reports. It's just, you know, we need more, we need more at some point, something needs to happen. And I've, I've said my criticism with the, with the inclusion of the, the minimum parking, but you know, it's, it's something it's there. Thank God. Yes, actually, and the same thought that I would add it because 
right now the, those the tenants who are in the roaming houses they don't have they are not protected by landlord tenant board and they don't have uh, any any laws to protect themselves they could be evicted they could be subject to anything by the landlord uh, and they have no protection and it is one of the best moves they made i'm glad they did it it's it's re really late but it's common sense it's coming right i mean we live in a city that uh, uh, people deserve some safety and uh, some protection around their housing so absolutely Fi finally yeah. they got it right for once also finally. uh on the December 15th edition, the one that we, well, I don't know, Phil, if you watched it, but I missed it. Um, uh, apparently, after thousands took action, Toronto City Council has now voted to oppose Bill 39. Two-thirds councillor voted for uh, Councillor Ambler Morley's motion demanding that the province repeal B Bill 39. And a huge majority, 20 to 5, um, I don't know who voted in which because I don't have that in front of me, uh, voted for Councillor uh, Alejandro Bravo's motion upholding majority rule. Um, what does that do for, for Toronto City Council? Because, I mean, we can ask the province to repeal Bill 39. It's not going to – I I doubt very much it's going to happen. But what about the motion for upholding majority rule? Um, I don't know if, Kiri, you want to speak on that and then, and then Phil – uh i'd love to hear um anything you want to say uh, oh sure it's uh we're talking about the strong mayor act right yes the 39 okay so the strong mayor uh act uh there, there is um one of the problem with that is um uh people when people vote the, the duck argument is uh he you know um, mayor john tory he gets more votes i mean he, he's a he's mayor he got a lot of votes but he still have the equal say as a councillor uh to to make any difference he wanted to uh, run city council like like a business he wanted to make uh, mayor, mayor john tory look like a ceo uh again um that's not how democracy works they they have very false understanding of how democracy works and they you know that's why they're they're tampering with uh, by saying um, they're tampering with democracy by saying uh, uh he should have more power no absolutely no every every people every people who actually um um you know voted for a counselor they the counselor have more 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 what more power to say in this ward than um uh than than a mayor so for an example in what 21 mayor mayor john tory shouldn't have any power to you know overwrite uh, what what's happening in when what 21 so but according to the major um uh either this one like uh strong mayor power um the you know he, he could do it again uh, i when i did the survey that i i was reading the complete questions i actually supported the strong mayor but in a not the strong mayor but the but the independent independent charter for the city that is a just a different concept a different wording that i support but a strong mayor the way that it's presented no oh. uh you know i think the unfortunate thing is just uh as you said matt i sort of feel your pessimism in the what does toronto city council voting to say hey doug ford we don't like this please don't do it like it's it but we know doug ford is going to do it he already it's, did it right <laughs> right 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 <laughs> so it's like but but know, what about but what about 
Alejandro Bravo's motion. I, I'm going to go back and watch this because I, I, I want to see the context of upholding majority rule. Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like it's nice that Toronto, the councillors themselves, can say, "Yeah, we're committed to democracy." Unfortunately, that's up to John Tory now. You know, it it seems like it's it's uh it's up to the bills themselves if he gets to assert his powers or if they align with the province's uh you know goals. Whatever. At the moment, I think we're not very clear on how that actually will interpret into like the city, but uh. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's up to council. It's up to the mayor. And he can just say, oh, you guys want majority rule? That's great. Too bad. Sucks. I just need eight of you. Yeah, pretty much that, that is how, uh, because they realized the change is coming. So they had to uh, make uh, whichever way they change. Uh, I mean, whichever way to protect their status quo. I think this this was a very well-planned work. It's, it's not uh, like a decided in in an uh, in an or in an, in a quicker solution to you know challenge the change but i think it is well planned uh, and uh, what they're doing is really tampering with democracy and it, it shouldn't be shouldn't be happening but uh, unfortunately you know uh, now like i mean if you could see that uh, like a lot a lot of the mayor a lot of the elected um, councillors who are the we think is status quo even them they don't support this so to say you know John Tory should have power to, you know, dictate anything in the city. I think uh, he's already corrupted as he is right now. I don't think it's going to be a good outcome. <laughs> Just a couple more things I wanted to cover. Um, first of all, um, congrats to Evan Sambasivam. I hope I got that right. You know, we, met, we mess up names now. He parlayed his, um, I guess, his election campaign journey <laughs> to uh, a job as the legislative assistant for Gary Anadis. Uh, we fuck up. He's the liberal MP for He's Scarborough the, Rouge River or Rouge Valley, right? Scarborough Rouge Park. But yes. So he's working for the liberals now, but uh, he, he got a job out of it. So, I mean, congratulations to him. Hell yeah, boy. <laughs> he's a good dude. <clears throat> um, also, have you guys ever heard of Paul Raftis? No. He was recently appointed deputy city manager of community and social services. Um, so what happened was uh, he was appoint he was appointed on December twenty first. Tory signed a mayoral decision, uh, also delegating the authority to hire and dismiss the vast majority of city staff to the city manager. But Tory retains hiring and firing decisions on the department heads. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know if you, you had a chance to uh, listen to our last episode, Kerry, but did you know that John Tory's already used the strong mayor powers to hire the new city manager, Mr. Paul Johnson? No. Yep. I wasn't following up because, uh, again, after the election, I was really uh, had left behind a lot of other things. So I had to catch up. So it looks like you guys are more close to follow, closely following what's happening in the city than me well, on, well, on many issues. And honestly, what Phil and I thought was, well, the only reason he would use the, the strong mayor powers is if he thinks that council wouldn't approve. So I went I went looking for dirt. 
<laughs> I even said that to Norm. I'm like, I looked for dirt. I looked. I couldn't find it. I can't find one reason why he wouldn't be a great city manager, which begs the question, why didn't it go in front of council? And uh, Norm said it's more of a procedural thing. And I guess he would know better. Um, I still think it should have gone before council, but who am I to say that? Uh, I think uh, when he's using uh, a strong mayor power, he's also putting himself on the line because guess what? If there's some dirt to come out uh, from him, uh, his job is going to be on the line. I mean, he's going to have his perception. I mean, uh, his, uh, his image is going to be on the line. So I think um, he should have given, he should have been delegated that power to the council. I mean, councillors, and he should have, uh, you know, use that democracy element to protect his job instead of actually putting himself on the line by doing that. I, I don't know. I don't know what was details, but uh, um, regardless, uh, I think he should have respected the wishes of other counselors and at least hear the opinion before make those decisions. Bill, do you have anything to add uh, before I move on? Um, oh, I was looking for something specific, a specific, oh, <laughs> okay, I found it. Sorry. It was a specific tweet uh, from David Ryder about uh, basically how John Tory mentions that they should set an expiry date for these strong mayor powers, which just happens to be at the end of his term, <laughs> which it's I mean, there's, there's a very obvious reason why I find that so funny. But when I first read that, I like misread it. And I, I thought the idea was like maybe halfway through his term or something, they were going to see, look at and see like, oh, is this doing what it says it's doing? Uh, no, I misread that entirely. It is just 100% John Tory being like, I've got this fun toy, but not for anyone else. So John Tory uh, is, I have another letter from the integrity commissioner that I'm going to read. Um, this was posted on social media, so it's fair game. Um, it was addressed to former mayoral candidate Isabella Gamph. Uh, she complained about uh, Mayor Tory, and it says, Dear Miss Gamph, uh, re-complaint about Mayor Tory received November 18th, 2022. I'm writing to advise you that I have reviewed your complaint under the Code of Conduct for members of council, the Code of Conduct. Uh, our office handles complaints in accordance with the complaint and application procedures. At the intake review stage, I assess if our office has the jurisdiction and whether there are sufficient grounds to investigate. Having completed that intake review, I am dismissing your complaint. This letter provides my reasons. You complain that during the 2022 municipal election campaign, Mayor Tory received preferential treatment from the media due to his association with Rogers Communications Incorporated. You allege that he violated Article 8 of the Code of Conduct, which prohibits real and apparent conflicts of interest and the misuse of influence. Members of council are permitted to have outside business interests, but for example, are, are prohibited from misusing their influence by participating in city decisions to benefit their personal interests. Your complaint does not include any grounds that Mr. Tory misused his powers as the mayor of the City of Toronto under the City of Toronto Act 2006. You allege that Rogers 
Communications Incorporated at Mr. Tory's request or within his knowledge and consent provided preferential treatment to his re-election campaign. These are not matters governed by the City of Toronto Act 2006. In essence, you are complaining about what Rogers Communications Incorporated uh, was broadcasting during the recent municipal election. My office does not have jurisdiction over whether broadcasters have provided candidates preferential treatment or whether candidate campaigns have complied with election requirements, which my office previously advised you. If you wish to complain about Rogers Communication Incorporated broadcasts, you should contact the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission at crtc.gc.ca. Thank you for bringing this issue to my office, as I understand it was of concern to you. However, for the reasons above, I must dismiss your complaint. Signed, Jonathan Batty, the Integrity Commissioner. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's... Uh... Very unfortunate. You know what? Uh, I, I am uh, I am in favor of that work that she done. I'm glad that she took her time to file that complaint. A lot of us should have. Um, but the outcome of that uh, her a action is uh, is not it's not surprising because right now our our the environment is so corrupted to the point that uh, these kind of results are pretty much a, a common sense for us. Uh, what I'm trying to say is. Um, <coughs> Right now, it's, there's no point. We can, it's not like John Tory paid under the table uh, to get anything. Everything is happening in a way that you know he's he's getting preferred treatment. Yes, but you cannot concretely prove anything. There's no way to say, oh, you know what, he paid something, or he had a meeting with somebody and he made it made this up. No, he actually built this around him. It's this politics is very powerful. It's very very complicated, but he has all the all the you know. Uh, ladders around him that uh, you know people support him indirectly and, and you know there's nothing we could do about it I mean look in March 21 uh, I was you know pretty much I was really you know pushed away by I mean I was I had really hard time going into city facilities but there's nothing I could do about it you know people actually it's not like I can say oh you know what they're supporting um, Michael Thompson they, they you know they're doing it all he's doing he's doing corrupted in a way I don't have any elements to prove it it's, it's just that collusion and corruption, and it's very discussed, but there's nothing we could do about it. We don't have any concrete evidence to say, oh, you know what? We have it in recording that he, you know, taken money or, you know, it's just sad. Well, you know, I support, I support Isabella's position. I like, I do feel like the outcome is fairly predictable although there was something that you had said in that letter that really struck me as curious where i think it said something along the lines of um you know biases that were either real or was it imagined real or um something like you thought it could be there do you know what i'm trying to say yeah and it just it feels like what they're saying is but I mean, any any logical person could could think that there was a conflict. So if they're saying real or whatever the word they used was, um, real or imagined like bias, you have to like at that point, are you should you not be looking at what could be reasonably ascertained by 
you know, a mayor who is on Roger's payroll, like very public knowledge. We know that. So like that, that appearance of bias is there. I, I feel like they shouldn't like throw in imagined bias if it's like they have to determine if it's real or not. But if you're going to say like perceived, then there's a lot of things we can perceive as bias. And like, I don't know, uh, like I do feel like just the way that these, these complaints work and function, it does feel like the outcome for Isabella's was, I want to say hers would have been more obvious because take what just happened with the Blue Jays ethics commissioner report. They basically found all the corruption that was there and then just said, it's fine. That's the end of my thought. I, you know what? You, you got a good point. I mean, how many of these letters, how many of these complaints have to pile up before somebody does their job, their fucking job that they're paid to do? Maybe a lot the, of money to do. Maybe, maybe the integrity commissioner should be an elected position. Maybe, maybe then something would get done. It's, it's yeah, but still, it it's, it really comes down to politics. And like I said, the uh, the perception, public perception, and and uh, uh, and the political power plays plays a bigger role. We think we when we go to court, we actually getting justice. No, it's all about public perception. Court is looking at it. That public perception is overweighted in on all court cases. Um, that's how the decisions are decided. Um, and it, you know, a lot of the time, justice is actually to serve. I mean. The justice not necessarily mean uh, in right now in a counter capitalist system justice not necessarily mean is a justice or right you actually get what um what is the 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 status quo what favors the you know the profit motivations and that's why these decisions i mean um my experience with my employer you know doing wrong things and my experience with the fighting with the landlord i think it's just uh for me to hear these kind of outcomes are not surprised because my my labor relations board said the same thing and landlord tenant board said the same thing and you know we know it's wrong we know it's it's wrong to beat up homeless people when they're when they're living in the park but they did it anyways and it was done by our police with the tax dollars and you know and that same our police was uh, you know being dispatched to evict people in the middle of the pandemic when there's an order to not to not to evict people because it's pandemic, but it happened. So if you were to think about it, we would be outraged, right? I mean, I try not to overthink too much, but I am really like when I think about it, a lot of the things makes me really depressed. Um, I got I got one more thing to cover before we uh, we end the episode. Uh, this is taken from uh, Councillor Lily Chang's first newsletter. Uh, you guys probably know where I'm going. Uh, yes. It's it's about the Mitchell Field Warming Center. She writes. I am receiving a growing number of calls and emails from residents concerned about the warming center currently situated at Mitchell Field. Some are upset that we have lost our community center for use over two years, which is an important gathering place for physical and mental health. Others are worried about the proximity to a primary school and placement within a family-oriented community. I have... I've been having ongoing meetings with the Shelter Supportive Housing Authority in charge of all the shelters, uh, the real estate 
Division and Parks and Recreation to determine uh, a, a best path forward to better support our homeless neighbors during the winter months. I've been advocating that the people of Willowdale have been extremely gracious and patient while Mitchell Field has been used as a mass vaccination clinic for the past two years. We are the only community in Toronto that has made this sacrifice. However, we would very much like to have our community center back, especially in consideration that we currently have only one fully operational community center called Edith, Edith Vale, because Golding is currently undergoing renovations. This means 120,000 residents of Willowdale only have one community center. Seniors and families living in the area need, need community center space for physical and mental health. I am strongly, I'm also strongly advocating that any future decisions be made with community involvement to ensure best outcomes. My team and I are looking for an alternative, for alternative sites to ensure those experiencing homelessness have a safe and warm place during the winter months. If you have any ideas of spaces in Willowdale that are not closed to bus or subway lines, please let us know. Okay, I'm... My tummy hurts and I'm mad at Lily Chang. That's uh, that's my strong statement. And I've been very vocal about this, this situation. In fact, uh, vocal enough to, to be placed on the blog TO article about it, which is very funny. I saw, <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's, it's her. There's, there's, there's a background, I understand, of her having a, a thing against the unhoused and I, I don't want to go too upset because I, I don't you know that that gets more into like libel I don't know that much but when she says things like you know our community has been so gracious as to let this community center be used as a vaccination clinic or right now a warming center it's like what is the purpose of a community center if it is not to serve the community is this not serving the community as a warming center? That is serving the community. That's just bottom line. So when she she also had like kind of a, a tweet rebuttal that starts with the sentence, don't believe the hype, which immediately makes me think, I believe all the hype, Lily Chang. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and then she says that they're looking for alternatives, but it doesn't have to be you know, either or, it doesn't have to be uh, other places, other warming centers, and not Mitchell Field. It could be Mitchell Field and other places. But she is making it either or. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm very mad at Lily Chang about this. I, th I think I am also really upset about it. It's like they, they you know, she worded it in a very nice way, soft and gentle. But, you know, it's, we know it's cruel as it could be. Because, oh, okay, you know what? I care about homelessness, but it's not in my, my backyard. That's a, that's the attitude, and that's that's what it reflects. I'm pretty sure it's actually, she's actually, oh, I guess maybe a lot of people, uh, like I mean, like-minded people made multiple compliance. Maybe that's why she's saying like that. She made that kind of statement. Uh, I don't know, but uh, it really, instead of, you know, providing an education, being giving the, I guess, you know, showing real uh, situations in the city, she probably, you know, just wanted to just speak for the people and she said what she said. I think that's where the background of her work uh, came from. But uh, yeah, it's really, 
but really you shouldn't say that i mean like yeah i'm not in my backyard that's that's a mindset the interesting I, thing that sorry phil but the the i just wanted to say the interesting thing that i find is that like uh so i did an interview with marcus o'brien fear which was uh john fillion's replacement he was supposed to be the and i use this term loosely the quote-unquote heir apparent but he didn't win but during the interview he told me about these uh mobile um I, I, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call them mobile homes because I don't know what they're called. And there's apparently oh, this, the modular housing, the modular. Thank you. That's the word I was missing. The modular housing for the for the homeless that was already ready to be set up in Willowdale. Where and the hell? Is, where the hell is that? Why the or hell? She fought against it rather. I, why the hell? Well, there's my answer. Why? Where the hell is it? It's not happening. <laughs> I think it might be on its way to happening now, but I do know that, or my understanding is that she sort of like put a, put an effort to fight that, you know, in her role as well, prior to being a city councilor. Um, it's just like, I feel like, you know, we, we think of politics as being very polite and about decorum. And so as like Kiri mentioned, how she phrased it in a very gentle way. And I, I feel like it's so important for us to like really see that, look past the gentle words and see that, see what she's saying for what it is, which is violence. She wants to commit violence against these unhoused people who just need support. Absolutely. You know. If nothing else, she does represent the not in my backyard um, stance on on this issue, which is crazy because, um, you know, I never got a chance to interview her, but she created a new uh, uh, she created her own uh, food bank as a way of, of helping her community. So I really it's it's almost like. It's two it different feels people. antithetical. It's two different people. That's what yeah, it feels I, like. I, I could chime in that on that. It, the reason why that happens is that um, she doesn't have a platform because she doesn't have a policy to stand on. She doesn't have a solution. She is there to you know, be the leader in the status quo climate. And she will do whatever. Let's say 50 people file a complaint on this issue. She'll be like, oh, you know what? Nobody complained about anything else, but 50 people complain. I had to do something right now. If I don't speak it, my voters are going to turn and turn around and be upset. So it's all about, you know, collecting votes. It's all about just speaking uh, what's need to be said according to the time. And that's why I say, you know, democracy is very vulnerable and it can be, you know, uh, exploited. It can be twisted in any way we want. And that's why we need people with education, experience and care and compassion and solution oriented people. And we need to like really look at their policy and platform. So what do you, how do you going to solve the problem? Instead, we have, you know, we elect people with, uh, you know, bigger finite wallet. And that's the price we pay for it. And uh, again, it's, I might sound a bit harsh when I say that, but, you know, we end up, you know, we, we deserve the politician we elect. You know? So I hope one day we'll have a better way to elect people. Um, but until then, it's going to be very difficult. Any final thoughts on this, Phil, before we uh, move along? So, I mean, I, I sort of have I have final final thought thoughts for the episode, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, so two things I want to bring up, and uh, I guess I'll start with this one because we're talking about um, the Mitchell Field Community Center, but specifically what started all this, which was the the winter storm that we were going to get. Uh, and I say this not as like, uh, <laughs> adore me, I did something, uh, but more like, because, you know, after I ran for city council and, you know, now we're starting to do this podcast, I feel like I really do want to be more involved. And I, I like, I don't always know how to do so. But on, on December 22nd, I did send an email to John Tory, Gary Crawford, who's my city councilor, Dolly Begum, who's my MPP, and Bill Blair, who's my MP. Oh, you're um, just really screwed right across the board. I know, I know. What a well, I like Dolly. I like Dolly, but um, <laughs> um, but just to say, you know, uh, I wanted to encourage the city to open up the warming centers and to lower the trigger temperature uh, from 15 degrees to either five to negative five to zero. You know, um, and and I was and again, it wasn't just me, but there was a, a big sort of voice on december 22nd and i do believe that that push was what got the city to open the warming centers that day so i was very happy for that and then after the weekend was over um i sent another email to the city councilors who are on the board of health which is uh alejandro bravo Ozma malik and gord perks basically following up to request a lowering of the trigger temperatures for these services to come up I just, uh, I don't, I don't know what I can do as an individual to like solve these problems. Well, that's why we have this podcast. You, you buried the lead there. We, we should have led with that. That would have been great. <laughs> you know, going forward, we're going to say, these are Phil's musings. This is what I've done. <laughs> I, I really like it. I, I, and honestly, we have this platform. Let's use it. Yeah. And like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm excited to try to try. You know, absolutely. Uh, so I will say, um, for that first email, no responses. Nobody, nobody emailed me back. Uh, but the warming centers opened that night, so I'm hoping that it was part of the collective voice that worked. Now, my email to Alejandro, Asma, and Gord, uh, I got an automatic reply that they're all out of the office until tomorrow. So I'm hoping that I might get a response from any of them. And I'll be able to talk about it next week if that happens. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know that, that that's, that's what I've done over this, these holidays. So, uh, Kiri, thank you so much for, for coming on to this episode. I know I only uh, contacted you uh, late last week, but seriously, thank you so much for, for coming and, and, and sharing your wisdom. You're definitely the bright star uh, within the MSA. Uh, Philip and I really like you. We were really pulling for you during the election. Um, and I'm sad that you weren't able to win, but maybe, you know, if, if there is a by-election, perhaps maybe this is not over and we wish you nothing but luck. And even if there's no by-election, 2026 rolls, rolls around. I can't speak for Philip, although I think I can. You have our you support. You can speak for Philip. You you have our support if you want to run again. I, I wanna I wanna let you know that. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my pleasure, Matthew and uh and Philip uh, for having me. 
uh, it's it's our complete responsibility to uh, to do our part to make our city a better place. And uh, yeah, we may uh, uh, we may not have all, you know all the all the agreement on every issue. We don't have to, but we have to care for the city, and we have to make uh, that's uh, that's how we can make our city a better place. Exactly, and, uh, it, we have that vista. Exactly, it's about agreeing to disagree. You're you're able to agree to disagree and still work together. So again, for Philip, thank you so much for coming on, and to our listeners, I'm going to make an announcement. So, ha ha ha! I'm turning forty on January seventh. On January seventeenth, don't age me. Even on the sixteenth, my wife will be like, "You're you're forty, and I'm like, "No, I'm still thirty nine." Um, we are having a birthday celebration party, whatever you want to call it. It's going to take place on Saturday, January 28th, 6 p.m. at the Maple Leaf House and Grill. It's First Street in Lakeshore in South Etobicoke. And everybody is welcomed. Uh, bring a gift. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> come have fun. We're going to have some food there. Uh, I'm getting a DJ. We're going to have some fun. Uh, I only turned 40 once. So I want to enjoy it. So come on. Um, I'll probably make a speech, even though my wife's like, don't, don't, don't make a speech. And I'm like, but I'm a, a but, but I'm like, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I say that to say, if you can hear within the sound of my voice, you're all welcomed. Come on down on that date, on that time. And uh, I'll be there. Awesome. So, Phil, any uh, any final things before we get out of here? I only I only want to give one more shout out. I I'm sorry, I know. Um, just to a campaign that I I think is very interesting. I don't know him personally, but I did uh, sign up for it. A guy named Hafiz A. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Lawrence Prospect. Nope. But uh, I've retweeted it from uh, from Robert. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll find out more about it, and maybe I'll uh, I can talk about it on another episode. But it's it sounds like he wants to uh, improve essentially the road at, on Lawrence Avenue between uh, Victoria Park and uh, Birchmount, and I know that area. Like I I used to always be there, so I'm I'm very intimately aware of that area. Well, that's amazing, and and again. Uh... Thank you, Kiri, for coming out. One more small announcement. I just want to let my listeners know, our listeners know, uh, we are going to have the youngest candidate in this previous election on at some point in January, Hope Shire from Ward 6. Uh, so we'll bring that to you when we when we can uh, arrange a time to sit down with her. But uh, we're very, very excited to have her a part of the municipals. And with that, I guess we're done here. So, um, like I said, on, on behalf of uh, Phil and I, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Part time mayor, he sucks. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. Fuck Kathleen Wynn. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold it.